Hi folks, it's Dr. Christine Sauer here with Sparkles for Better Mental Health and Growth in Five Dimensions. Welcome to today's show and I'm very excited to have James Hepner on the show, a results coach, he calls himself. Welcome, James. Hey, well, yeah, thank you. I'm, I'm just honored to be here. I was going to say welcome to you, but no, thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks, James. I'm, uh, I, I looked over your CV. It's so long. I'll let you tell your story yourself. So what I all ask all my guests is, how come that you are so passionate to do what you're doing now? What's your story? How did you get mm -hmm. there now? Well, let's just say it this way. I, you know, and for listeners, you can probably tap into this. There are things in life that seem to work. And then all of a sudden what we utilize no longer works. And so my passion was found when I transitioned from the first half of life into the second half. And the first half of life, typically we find meaning and passion and purpose and peace. We find it all typically through the answers that we seek and the answers we give ourselves. And um, I don't think that we mean to not be curious. It's just we got a lot of things going on. We're, we're trying to get our degrees and <laughs> trying to get move forward in business. And, it, you know, it is what it is. And so a lot of our goodness comes, I think, when we find solution. Yet, um, you know, I, for example, I have two boys, 17 and a 15-year-old. And as Harrison was born, he was born in high-functioning autism. And, uh, of course, there's a lot of questions surrounding that. And um, it really decentered me. And um, typically what I do is I just research it and I'd be okay. And uh, however, a few things combined with that, the 2008 housing crisis, I was in the real estate sector. So everything comes together, coalescing. And uh, all of a sudden, um, what normally worked, which is finding clarity through answer, no longer worked. And so listeners, you can probably tap in. <laughs> There are moments in life when all of a sudden we need to use a different energy set. And so I'm so passionate about what I do because I recognize that each one of us is invited at some point in our life to move from the first half of life to the second half. And the second half, we find meaning, purpose, passion, peace. It all comes not just through answer. We can still use answer, but we add another thing. And that now we lean into the questioning, we need lean into the doubting, we lean into all those things and uncertainties don't make us so afraid anymore. It's like, of course, of course, there are things that I don't even desire to, to resolve. Like how, why would I need to get beneath and uh, at all to say that I've got it figured out and this is how it's going to work? Because let's be honest, since I was born, like, I don't know if listeners can relate to this, but since I was born... Things have actually never worked out exactly the way that I thought they were going to. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I am so not. right. And so I guess I'm just so sorry for the long answer, but oh, I'm so passionate because there are some things that um, just no longer worked, and I adopted a new way of living. I, I expanded where I made losses safe. It wasn't just that I'm looking for wins. And so now I get to meet people and wrap my journey around. I can spot those people, and those and those people they find me for those reasons. So there you go. That is fascinating, James. Now my mathematical brain kicked in and calculates the first half, second half of the brain. Now, how long is the life for you? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? And, and I think that's a great question because, um, you know, often when we say first half, second half, we're going, well, if, if we live to be 100, that means at 50, we kick over. And I think you and I are on the same page. It doesn't mean age. It's not all linear. It's just at some point in time, I think the point is, we all hit threshold when something happens that's bigger than we've ever handled before. And typically, it's we're pressured from all sides. And I have this little thing that says, the more we're pressured from all sides, the more present we become. If, and that is if we do pain well. And for me, the acronym that I have on pain is 
Pain is simply, please accept inner nudgings. If you don't accept inner nudging, you'll have to go through suffering. And so if you do pain well, then more pressure will make you more present. The more present you are will lead you to deeper peace. The deeper peace you have, the more passion you have, and the more passion you have, the more purpose you got. So that's my little formula. the adoration. That is awesome. And pain, please accept inner nudgings. Mm -hmm. Love that. I haven't heard that before. That's a good one. <laughs> and everything that after that starts with a P. That's cool. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a language uh, buff. I love that. Oh, nice. And uh, so it, I'm, I'm very fascinated by the English language, by the way. Mm. I'm born German, but uh, oh. I live in Canada. So <laughs> it's fascinating. <laughs> so cool. All right. And you know what I, what I always say, how you know that somebody is, as you say, in the second half of their life and has arrived at a relatively good place, you can see it in their eyes, they sparkle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's how I got the sparkle, because it makes him alive. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell me a little bit about what you think about the transition between the first half and the second half or part of the life Usually there's a break, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you see that? How that did it happen for you? And mm -hmm. how do you see it in your clients? It's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. a great question. So I think, and I'll just go back. I think it's a break from what we're accustomed to. And so something happens that, and it's singular, typically in motion, something in motion, because something living is, something singular comes into our wheelhouse. And we start navigating with it the way we normally would. And then while we're navigating, another thing happens. So it's a, a you know an assortment of things that kind of surround us. And it's, and I would just probably say it, some people say, I don't like to feel overwhelmed. And, you know, and I would say true in the first half of life, when too many things happen, we're like, whoa, just a second. We try to categorize. We try to keep separate and first this project and then that. But then in life, when the second half invites us to enter, it's, it's such a challenge because it no longer works to do a single thing. Now, I'm not talking about being split focused. I'm talking about being laser focused on the thing. But then you have these other things like my son being born high-functioning autism, I was, uh, I went through an audit by the government or company. We owned a large construction company and our company had sold to us a few houses and we thought we had fairly assessed value and they said not. So we owed a bunch of money, not a big deal. We had the funds, but 2008 came. So that's the third piece, 2008. And there's all these things that coalesce. And the only thing I can say is what we once did with overwhelm which is to shut off unless we go overwhelmed towards what now we got to be open in that moment. And that's the difficult transition. If you'd ask me instead of overwhelmed because of, and then we get through it and we say, well, in spite of that, this happened, that's not going to help. We need to find a way of living. This is what I help my clients with that. We begin to language and adopt a way of operating where we get through and we get from because of, not in spite of, because if we get, if we say in spite of, then we're conquering it. We use words like conquer and conquer means the next time something happens, that's a little big for us to handle. We get overwhelmed 
And it's not towards what it's not because overwhelm was just an emotion and it, and it, and it helps us direct all of our energies to something. And so I think the human finds itself to be pretty intensely powerful when it just goes, okay, wait a minute, all these things are coming at me, but how is it that they could be for me? You know, in the beginning of life, uh, uh, typically it's like I address the marriage proponent or, you know, the dating or partner thing. Then I, perhaps I address the career thing first. And, you know, we do these singularity things. But as we go forward, these things hit us at a couple of times. And I think if we can just stop, pull back, feel all of it. So we have to become the observer. And then a point that, wait a minute, this overwhelm, what's it directing my energies towards? And so instead of making it like, well, it's too much, too much, too much. It must be bad news. It must be horrible news. To look at it differently. And this is the most difficult part because most people, you know, when these moments happen, they're like, well, there must be something wrong with me. It must be something wrong with the pills I'm taking or not taking. There must be something wrong with the exercise, which I mean, it can all be part of, of course. But I think the human being has to wrap around a different way of living. And you have to start just seeing that it's all here to serve. And so I guess to make, I'll, you know, share a story. I had a client reach out to me just a couple of weeks ago. And I've only been working with this person for, like I say, a few weeks. And they go, gosh, I can't believe just the small movements I made already by just identifying that there is a first half of life and a second half. And the fact that I feel so uncomfortable is because I'm labeling all this destabilization, like all of these things hitting me earlier. I labeled them all for like taking me down apparently, but now I'm going to wait a minute. I'm just pulling back and I'm observing all this stuff coming. And then I ask myself, what is this all for? And so he goes, hey, this gentleman says, I feel this inviting for peace. And actually, I'm beginning to participate with it in a brand new way. And I feel incredible. So anyway, that's a bit of a story. That is awesome. Now, let me ask you, when you're in that transition and in the second half and the stuff comes from outside and it adds up and people feel overwhelmed, how do they achieve clarity so they can take a positive action forward and not just... Mm. Mm -hmm. Go in the hamster wheel, like mm -hmm. some do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That right there is the is the perfect. And I don't use the word very often, but I think that's the perfect question. And here's why: while all this is happening, unless we're clear on something, we do not take decisive action. Decisive action means we decide on it, and it's a non-negotiable, and we act on it. That's what makes it decisive. We actually act towards it, and so. We must focus on something, laser down on it, so that we execute with precision, in my opinion. We have, to, if we don't be about that work, it's just not going to. So, clarity at a moment like that. So, I'm just going to take it back again. I think it's when we realize that we're destabilized in that moment to feel what comes up. Typically, people go, This feels weird. This must be wrong. But here's the truth. A human doesn't walk on one leg like a kangaroo does. Or, sorry, a human doesn't walk on two legs like a kangaroo does at the same time. A human walks on one leg at a time. And when it walks on one leg at a time, when the left foot is solid on the ground and the right foot lifts and moves forward, the human is actually always off balance constantly. That's what makes a human strong, being off balance. And so if we say that being off balance and the feeling that it gives, if we give it the label that this is horrible, this is bad, we are going to resist, 
We are going to fight and we're going to try hard to stay in the first half of life, which by the way, there are a lot of people that are, that are plenty like aged enough to be, they, they could be well into their second half of life if they let it, but they're still fighting for the first meaning they're, they're defending, they're holding at bay. And honestly, it looks like a miserable life. So I don't know if that answers your question other than to say the destabilization I think we must, we have to ensure that we don't label it as bad because as soon as we do that, then the clear thing can happen. That's when you can pull back and see it all and go like, oh, all I have to do is this. Honestly, let a whole bunch of things just happen as they're happening. Okay, that's number one. And so we can get clear on 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 letting things be instead of always just doing, 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 and, and then you know embrace the being part of your human consciousness. You know, James, I really like when you say that it's not helpful to label things as bad and it's also not very helpful to label them as good because mm -hmm. they just are it's the same mm -hmm. with emotion there's really no good or bad emotions they just are and there's yeah. advantages and disadvantages to either and and another the way you said that now many people especially since covid mm -hmm. they are ruled by fear Mm -hmm. and they are scared they don't know what the future will bring and that uncertainty sometimes paralyzes people it seems like there's some invisible lion or tiger that they can see in their mind and they freeze what do you make out of that and how can people get help to resolve that well, let me just start by saying, and you're a doctor, so you'll probably know this better than anyone. Um, there's a little saying that I like to remind myself and my clients of, uh, and it goes a bit like this. The doctor, and again, if this isn't what you do, I'm so sorry, but <laughs> but the doctor, you probably have heard of this, but the doctor facilitates kind of giving the client something to think about. So they say the doctor distracts the client until the client finally heals itself. <laughs> so I'm not saying that's exactly to the point. I'm not trying to pull you out of the perspective. There's, a lot, like, there's a lot to it. It's right? not, a, the doctor doesn't heal anybody. That's right. It's the, the greater energy, God, universe, whatever you believe in that does the healing. Beautiful. Be exactly. So when I say distract, I don't mean to take take the client off of the focus, but it's like, give the client something to think about, give the client something to work on. And while the client works on, then it's like, and that's the magic of the healing anyway. It's the God, the universe, the source power. You know, once the human finally calms down and relaxes, like you think of a muscle and it's always uptight <laughs> and then people go, why, why am I so uptight? Well, how about you just relax your fist for a second? It feels incredible. It feels incredible. So to answer your question though, and just to take it directly there, I think what we've observed, at least what I'm observing, I don't know what your thoughts are on this. I'd be curious to see what you think. I read a while ago that a lot of the fear, the undertow of fear in COVID baked into society is this fear that we're not progressing fast enough. And when we're not progressing fast enough as a collective, it's easy to just get sucked into this vortex of they shut us down. We can't go shopping now. Well, that means that store isn't progressing. The economy isn't progressing. So I think we have this hypervigilance towards, you know, if you think of the phone, scrolling, Instagram, just fast, fast, fast. We want it fast, bigger, better. Now, North America, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm no, you know, enemy of the United States. I'm in Canada. And so we're neighbors of, <laughs> of you know, of the United States people. But I think we have to be so careful, so careful. And I mean, this isn't just US. I think overall, 
let's be honest. The one thing that I see, and to your point earlier, uh, not good or bad, benign and hostile. I'm always debating the tensions of life. And so to some degree, the human being, in my opinion, always wants to be of benefit. And part of being a beneficial human, if you look at, for example, washing your clothes, years ago, you'd walk down to the river, you take your clothes, you'd put it on a rock and you'd, you'd beat it. And that's how you wash your clothes. And then they had this washboard and you washed it like that. Now we have a washing machine, you throw it in, you turn it on and it goes. We're still doing the exact same thing, washing clothes, but we've progressed. And I think to some degree, us humans, we find ourselves at the highest state of being and living when we get to stand next to the creator and do what we're designed to do, which is co-create with the creator. And I think part of that creation is we're going, listen, wouldn't that make sense if we're progressing? And so I think there's this, this fear, but the fear isn't the problem. It's being afraid of the fear. So afraid is the spike protein. Fear is not the problem. You know, I'm an amateur in the Bible, but Bible says fear not, you know, and I don't think it means like don't have fear, just says don't be afraid of the fear. Because like you said earlier, all emotions are safe if we let the light in. And so when we dance with the fear, be like, yeah, we feel like perhaps the stores are closing. I wonder if we're progressing. Okay. But to act on it, but being afraid of, that's that spike protein. So for me, honestly, when I think COVID, I think it's been such a gift for humanity to see that what happens when we as a collective just think about this and if it is the progress thing i think there's something to be said about it but i mean everybody has their own individual reasons for in my opinion and this is my opinion i think we saw about who the human was individually when covid came some people look at it some people got panic beyond measure other people got calmer yeah you know so I, I, I love that, that perspective. It's very interesting and unique because most people would say, well, people are afraid of dying from COVID or from other causes. And many people are. And my mm -hmm. stance on that is people are afraid of dying because they yeah, don't which live. Yeah, which is true. Which is because true. they haven't lived. Because That's if right. people don't live, they're afraid of dying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and another thing that I sometimes, I don't know if you like country music, I do. There's a, that funny <laughs> song, if you're going through hell, just go, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that, that song. That is exactly what psychologists explain to. Uh, I, I trained with Dr. Uh, uh, Daniel Burns, uh, David Burns. Mm, nice. And he's awesome. And, and, and he said, it's not the anxiety that hurts you, it's the avoidance of the things that you want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's same as you're saying, it's not the fear. It's a being afraid of the fear and avoiding the things that otherwise could bring you joy. That's right. That's right. If we have such an inability to stomach an emotion, when something like COVID happens, it's going to be revealed. Like, gosh, when I think Tony Robbins will say uh, things like, and I've heard him say well, years ago, he said, to the exact degree that you can comfortably handle uncertainties, to the exact degree you're going to enjoy life. Wow. And I remember when I heard that, I asked myself and I did a stress test, how comfortable am I with uncertainty? And I mean, honestly, my story, I didn't share this with you, but in 2008, I checked out of life for two and a half years. I found a way of successfully sleeping for 18 and a half hours a day for two and a half years. Now, I wasn't sleeping all the time, but I was sedating myself with melatonin, and gravel, all these things. And honestly speaking, in between first half of life and second half of life, typically, that's, I mean, this is my whole my whole tale, what I mentioned earlier, we have more things that happen, more things that come at us 
And so there's more uncertainty that we have to deal with. And if we don't have an inner musculature that's developed, when that happens, I wouldn't say we're crap out of luck, but it's going to be very difficult in a moment like that. And all that we typically do is we look around and we go like, oh, I'm just going to do what that person's doing. <laughs> I'm going to do what the TV channel says we should be focusing on. Look at the amount of deaths. Look at this. And it's horrible. Yeah, it is. The, the, these are facts. So I think the key thing is let the facts be facts. Stay with reality. But anytime we feel ourselves wrapping up, it's we don't have a muscle for it. And I think we need to get really clean about for example, I'll just share a bit of a story. Is that okay if I share a story? Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. So, for example, I heard the other day the psychoanalyst, he was talking about, um, for example, people go to church and he's not for or against it. And he says it's a beautiful thing because, of course, it can be a great thing. I, I would agree. It can be a fantastic thing. But he says, you know, one of the things that he's become aware of in fundamentalism, so Christian fundamentalism, any fundamentalism, basically, he says, what you observe is they seem very certain. Like they know who God is, they know what eternity will be, they know what eternity won't be, and they, they know how to live a good life and what a horrible, they apparently know what God wants and doesn't want. They know all these things. The only thing is, he says, if you look at it, if you really get beneath it, he goes, and if you want to watch a, a message, listen to this one. It's, it's a very popular church here. It's in uh, lower mainland British Columbia. It's a, it's a thriving church. Like a lot of people are going because who doesn't crave some certainty in moments like this? It's a massive church for like, young people and it's hip hop and whatever else it is, right? And he goes, if you observe and he goes, I don't want to be like unhelpful in judging. I'm not trying to do that here. I'm just saying observe it. And he goes, just watch, watch when the, when the speaker, when the pastor does his thing. He says, is he actually that certain or is the tr truth actually that if you're so certain about something, you have a repressed need or you're repressing your need for uncertainty. So it's a repressed need for uncertainty. So we're, so all we do is if we're so uncertain, we're like I'm certain there, I'm certain there. I know God would want that for us. And then we get so in the face of, but actually <laughs> we have a need for uncertainty, but it's so squashed down and, we're, and we think we can take care of it by just being so certain and it doesn't work. It doesn't work. I, I, I find that very interesting. And I'll tell you a story out of my life. My brother happens to be a fundamentalist Christian, and I mm -hmm. disagree with him 100%. Mm -hmm. But I have to run that by him, that he may be uh, having a need of uncertainty, because when we meet, he lives in Germany, but when we meet, he never fails to tell me that because I don't believe in Jesus like he do, I'll go to hell. Mm. I mean, it does bother me, but... I chuckle by now and I say, yeah, right. At least it's warm there. I always have cold hands, you know. <laughs> I, I personally think if there's a hell and there may be, it's what we create here on earth. I would agree. Uh, because many people create hell on earth for themselves. Mm -hmm. True. And what would you as a coach say is a prescription to get out of the hell on earth that we create ourselves? You know, that is such a beautiful, beautiful play. I should cue it up. I was raised in a very fundamentalist Christian home. My dad um, was and still is a pastor of a mega church. And I was a leader of thousands of people. And what's interesting is my wife said a couple of years ago, and so let me just cue it up like this. Mm. We are still faith people. I do find my way to the creator of, and I find it through Jesus, honestly, but I make room for other people to find their way to some creative source through their own mechanism. 
So I now do my faith inclusively, not I don't try to transcend through exclusion, but I transcend by inclusion. Often fundamentalists will transcend by inclusion. You can transcend, but it's very exclusion. And that's a very narrow field, but you can do it. But it's not going to be like a wide open view of life the way that I think, you know, for example, Jesus would have brought. But what's interesting is this. My wife says to me a couple of years into our deconstruction. So anything in life we construct first, then we deconstruct it. And then if, if we keep moving along, we're not going to stay stuck at deconstruction because then we're just angry for angry sake. We don't actually let anger bring any kind of benefit. Um, some people, when they get stuck there, they don't like being stuck at deconstruction. So they go back to constructing. So they don't really grow. They just go back. Go, no, I've tried that. I almost lost everything. I almost lost my faith. But if you're smart, and I'll say it, if you're smart, you're going to go, when you're feeling uncomfortable, you're doing all the deconstructing, the purpose isn't to throw Jesus out with the bathwater or throw your faith out with the bath. The purpose is to have a new experience and have a reconstructed life. So you go from construction, deconstruction to reconstruction. Reconstruction, not so you can blame these other people or say you're idiots, whatever, but that you can that you can include them. So for example, what you just shared was like, you are saying, I include my brother. Like he has a difficult time including me, but I can just like, I don't maybe laugh in front of him, but I kind of laugh here because it's like, oh, this is this is like he's transcending by excluding and you're going, I transcend by including his perspective. So it's a rebirth. Right. And so to to that play, I'll say it like this. My wife shares a story with me a couple of years into our deconstruction and we're like into the reconstruction for many years now. But when we're still in deconstruction, she says to me, if you really think about it, she goes, the story of the in the Bible, when Adam and Eve were created, there's a story and God says there's this tree. There's this tree. Just don't don't eat of it. Just don't really touch it. Just don't go there. You can have everything else you want. By the way, um, just keep playing in the garden. You're fully naked and just keep playing. <laughs> Do whatever you want. And you know what human wouldn't enjoy just not having a bunch of constructs like clothes on them. It'd be kind of fun. It'd be kind of you know interesting anyway. And I'll say it like this. My wife, Megan, I've been married to her for like 22 years, but I've been with her for 27 years, love of my life, says when you really consider what brings a hell on earth, so to your point, it's when we do what Adam and Eve did. And what they did is they wanted to have the ability of how they perceive God to be. See, they, they thought God was a judger of right or wrong. And so they said, we want to judge right or wrong too. So if God has that ability, then we want it too. And so why can't we decide that it's good for us? So they ate of it and God just based, and whether the story is true or not, makes me no difference. Makes me no difference. Yeah. If it's a parable, if it's a myth, I don't care. But the story is rich because the story says, listen, so God threw them out of the garden. And in my opinion, if ever you want to create a hell on earth, and if you want to be about toiling, he says, from this day forward, you're going to toil. If you want to be about toiling, then you're going to you're going to adopt how you think God is. If God's a judger and looking for how he can just condemn you to this hell, like what kind of a loving presence is that? Makes no sense. That, but of course, I love that. But of you course, that's mess- God. When yeah. you play God, we create hell on earth. That's right. When we play God. And what's interesting, it's our perception of God. Yeah. And who is to say God even does that? Because, see, we are trying to get closer to God by saying we want to have the ability to judge right or wrong. God says you make a horrible judge. But if we're made in God's image, wait a minute. The human being has a demand and a desire. 
if Christ came down, if Jesus came down to earth and he was from the father, and so he was at least half human when he was here for, for a period of time, at least half of him was human. It says fully human, fully yeah. like us. That means that maybe God is more like us than we think. Maybe God doesn't have it all figured out. Maybe God says that the, the demand and desire you have of yourself, I do that too. And I love it if you can come stand beside me as a co-creator and we can work this thing out. So I think if we perceive that God is that judge who's constantly doing that, looking for good or bad, of course, we're going to try to get closer to him by being like that. But he goes, if you do that, you're going to have to have a hellish existence and go toil over there. And we live in constant fear of being right. judged. 100%. That is not a fun, a fun environment. I agree. And, and it's so fascinating because as a coach, and you probably do it every day, you help make people uncomfortable to assist mm -hmm. them in personal growth. True. And uh, really, some people think life should be comfortable. What do you mm. say to that? <laughs> watch well, tv and eat your chips life is comfortable yeah 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 well let me say it like this i read this a little while ago it's an old indian proverb and it goes like this a healthy person has i'm going to read it actually i had it in my notes here a healthy person has a thousand wishes a sick person has one and the way I'd say this is opportunities are everywhere when we let the light of difference, disturbance, and discomfort in. I'll say it again. Opportunities are everywhere when we let the light of difference, disturbance, and discomfort in. Because it's in our discomfort that all our growth is found. I love that. Beautiful. Good for you. Now, to wind that slowly down. It's such a pleasure to talk with you. I could talk for two more hours. <laughs> if somebody likes your what he sees and says, it makes sense, said James. I want to talk to him. What can they do? How can they mm. find you? Besides, of course, I put your website underneath the video and in the show notes. But how can they find you? Mm -hmm. Well, and I, you know, I'll just, uh, and firstly, let me say this. It's been an honor to be on the show. And I really appreciate you. And, and I looked in some of your work and I just, yeah, I'm just, uh, yeah, I'm tickled to be here with you. And so, you know, thank you. And I just appreciate it. And I think we get to work together on this. So yeah, people can find me just by simply going, uh, you know, into your show notes and you'll have a link there. But the link I'm going to give here is the exact same link they'll find. Just simply go to www.jameshepner. So it's J-A-M-E-S-H-E-P-P-N-E-R.com. And you can navigate through. You can see there's a blog. There's a podcast, sorry, podcast there. Uh, called Weekly Wins and Losses. I got another one called Ferocious Achievers that'll be coming up uh, real shortly. And that's for high level uh, CEOs, founders, and owners of companies. Um, while you're navigating through, feel free if you want to just touch base and say, hey, thanks for that little insight. If it's no strings attached, uh, if you'd like that to be the case, just want to reach out and say thank you for, you know, I was on or I listened to the Dr. Christine podcast, the Sparkles podcast. Uh, that would be fantastic. That mean the world to me. I always like, I'm a relational person. So it mean mean the world to me, to be totally honest. So if you want to say a thank you, or if you want to say, hey, listen, I'm interested in maybe, uh, you know, talking with you and seeing what it'd look like uh, for us potentially to work together. You can feel free to do that by going there. And what you'll notice while you're navigating through a little pop-up is going to appear. And the pop-up is offering a discovery call. And ever since, let me say it this way, once the Ukrainian war got really etched <laughs> and the, um, yeah, the inflation started rising, people's fear and the spike protein and being afraid of the fear, I think really set in. 
And so I've just decided to do, and this is for a limited time uh, only, the discovery call. So it's a business life consultation, no charge for anyone that has the guts and the courage to reach out and to go for it. And I'll be gentle and be gracious, but I'll be honest. I'm a strength finder. I'm here to help you forward. And it's like you say, someone has to be willing to do some uncomfortable work. But this is what my clients say. They say, James, we do some heavy work, but it feels like we do it in a light way. We have fun doing it. So I think, I don't know if that's part of the magic, but uh, I just happen to know that uh, there's many ways to approach things in life. And if we, I think if we do things from a very scarce place and a fear place, uh, and just trying to rebuild what we think or perceive we've lost, I think that can be very unhelpful and unhealthy. I think we need to be okay with survival response, but then also utilize survival to go beyond, support us. So bring the truth, bring the truth and bring there. So anyway, yes, sorry for that long rant, other than they can find, find me at my website, jameshepner.com. That's awesome, James. And I thank you very much for being on the show. And uh, that is the end of today's Sparkles for Mental Health. Growth in five dimensions.